Well, I'd like to start off with a little picture, if we have it. Uh, this is, does anyone know what this is? It's the Liberty Bell. That's right. You can see the top of the crack there. Um, and the Liberty Bell is in uh, Philadelphia. And uh, you might ask, why am I showing you a picture of the Liberty Bell? Well, <clears throat> it was, uh, I'm sorry? What? <laughs> you might ask in your head, not out loud. <sighs> Rhetorical questions are tough for some people. Anyway, what was I saying? It was rung for uh, the inauguration of presidents and to commemorate um, many important events in American history before it got a crack in it. And uh, the inscription on it reads, proclaim liberty throughout the land unto all the inhabitants. Can you see it up there? A little bit of it at the top? You can see the proclaim, perhaps. And this is actually a quote from scripture. It's a quote from today's Parsha. Uh, and it's found in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 10. And uh, so this morning, I would like to actually walk through this week's Parsha with you. Um, the portion is essentially one chapter, the chapter uh, 25 of Shemot, or as we say, Leviticus. This one chapter, this one chapter is chock full of themes that are central to the whole of Scripture. They show up in many other places, not just on the Liberty Bell, but uh, in many other places, including the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of the central teachings of Yeshua. All right? So these, con these themes concern the basic question of how are we to live? So in walking through this Parsha, I want to get a sense of the priorities that are in it. So we open up from the portion uh, with Leviticus 25, 1 through 4, which uh, I believe was already read. So you might be familiar uh, with it from the Torah portion um, section of the service. But this is what it says. Adonai spoke to Moshe on Mount Sinai. He said, tell the people of Israel, when you enter the land I am giving you, the land itself is to observe a Shabbat rest for Adonai. So six years you will sow in your field. Everyone sow in your field. Six years. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six, you will prune your grapevines and gather their produce. But the seventh year, take a break, is to be a Shabbat of complete rest for the land, a Shabbat for Adonai. You will neither sow your field nor prune your grapevines. Did you all stop? I don't see anybody pruning. It looks good. You are not to harvest what grows um, by itself from the seeds left by your previous harvest, and you are not to gather the grapes of your untended vine is to be a year of complete rest for the land. In other words, so just as Israel, you, uh, a lot of us are familiar with the resting on the seventh day, right, on Shabbat, but they were also to rest for the seventh year, the entire year with regard to working the land. The Hebrew of Shabbat of complete rest, um, which Clarine read so well, is Shabbat Shabbaton. Can you say that? Shabbat Shabbaton. This is li literally a Shabbat of Shabbats. The ultimate rest, right? Sounds nice, right? The seventh year, the Israelites, they could gather what grew naturally, but they were al to allow the land a rest. In addition to being a good idea scientifically, we know that it's good to let the land rest to sort of replenish the nutrients, there is actually an underlying ethic here. 
There's an ethic. And what is the underlying purpose of this commandment? And what are the underlying themes? Well, the next verse, uh, which is verse 6, it provides a clue. This is what it says. But what the land produces during the year of Shabbat, the seventh year, will be food for all of you. You, your servant, your maid, your employee, anyone living near you. In, in Hebrew, it's, it's ger, which is like a resident alien, which we read earlier. In other words, anyone living near you, anyone in need, can glean from your whole field in, during this year. And here we start to understand the ethic of the Parsha, concern for the poor, the marginalized, the other. Hashem wants us to have an ethic of compassion. But it goes deeper than that. The concern the Israelites have here, which we might wonder as well, but will I have enough to eat by letting the land rest for an entire year, right? It's a whole year of not working the land. And the response is, if, if we put God first, and if we concern ourselves with the needs of others, Hashem will take care of the rest. And we see this throughout Scripture. If we are honest here, though, there's some real tension. For example... In, in the regular Shabbats, we know that if you work for six days, right, and you rest on Shabbat, you're giving up something. You have to sacrifice. You're, you're sacrificing time that you could be using to make money, right, in order to be with friends and be with, spend time with God and uh, to fellowship on Shabbat. But imagine an entire year of this rest. This is an even greater sacrifice, an even, an even greater trust is required. This is the ultimate in trusting God's commands. I believe that Shabbat, the resting from Friday night to Saturday night, is God's way of getting our concerns off of ourselves in our daily pursuits. So has, has the following ever happened to you? Uh, raise your hand if this is true. You're stressed out, right? You have a lot to do. Um, and you're tempted, there's a tempted to work on Shabbat, to keep, just keep going in Friday night and on Saturday. But in, and, and I know a lot of us have fallen short in this area, but has there ever been a time when you, you resisted that temptation and you used that time and you said, no, I'm going to rest and I'm going to trust that I will get this done later. And does it happen? Do you find, does God give you the time? Raise your hand if that's happened to you. All right. That's great. It certainly happened to me. So this is the ethic of trust and obedience at work, right? A Shabbat year, rest year, for working the land has the same ethic, the same idea. So where does this, uh, the ethic of compassion come in? Uh, how can we be motivated, remain motivated to care for others? So well, let's, let's keep digging all right. The next section of the Parsha concerns what is commonly called the year of Jubilee. Raise your hand if you've heard this term before, the year of Jubilee. Sometimes this word is actually considered a mistranslation. Uh, Dr. David Stern, in the complete Jewish Bible, which is the one I read, he leaves the Hebrew term in it, which is Yovel. Uh, and this word is related to the Hebrew word for a ram's horn, um, probably because the Yovel, the, the Jubilee year, is announced with a shofar. Okay, so it's kind of like the ringing of the liberty bell that we saw earlier, right? The blowing of the shofar, it announces 
freedom and announces the year of Jubilee. But what is this Jubilee or Yovel? Here is the answer. This is what it says in Leviticus 25, verses 8 through 13. You are to count seven Shabbats of years. Seven times seven years, that is 49. You didn't know there was going to be math today, right? Then on the 10th day of the seventh month on Yom Kippur, you are to sound a blast on the shofar. You are to sound the shofar all through your land. And you are to consecrate the 50th year, proclaiming freedom throughout the land to all its inhabitants. That is actually what is on the Liberty Bell. It will be a Yovel for you. You will return everyone to the land he owns, and everyone is to return to his family. That 50th year will be a Yovel for you. In that year, you are not to sow, harvest what grows by itself, or gather the grapes of untended vines. Because it is a Yovel, it will be holy for you. Whatever the fields produce will be food for all of you. In this year of Yovel, every one of you is to return to the land he owns. Okay? So we remember every seven years, the land is to have a Shabbat rest. Shabbat Shabbaton. Can you say that again? Shabbat Shabbaton. But this is a Shabbat Shabbaton Shabbaton. Right? This is the real rest here. Okay? So in addition to letting the land rest... Um, on, the, on the 49th year, or the 50th year, um, there's, uh, there's something else going on here. If an Israelite was in debt, so imagine you're in debt, right? That debt would be canceled in the year of Yovel on Yom Kippur when the shofar sounded. If, uh, if every Israelite also had an inheritance, they had land. But if you had to sell your land, if you had to give it up, right? If you became impoverished, it would be returned to you. If you had to sell yourself, if you had to go into become like an indentured servant, something like that, you would be set free on, uh, on Yom Kippur uh, in the year of the Yovel. Does that make sense? We understand what's going on here? All the debts are, are, are covered, freed. And this is what the Liberty, Liberty Bell quote uh, this is the same thing. You know, it's, it's a time to proclaim liberty or freedom. The issue here um, is that there will always be poor people and there will always be wealthier people um, in, in ancient Israel and today. But it's, it's so that the poor would not be so poor that they would lack basic needs. And the wealthy would not be so powerful as to be able to exploit others. Um, the land could not be permanently bought, right? It couldn't be permanently taken away from, from the poor and their inheritance. Um, every 49 years, there is a reset button on land ownership. So continuing in verse 17 through 19, this is what it says. Thus, you are not to take advantage of each other, but you are to fear your God, for I am Adonai, your God. Rather, you are to keep my regulations and rulings and act accordingly. And if you do, you will live securely in the land. The land will yield its produce. You will eat until you have enough, and you will live there securely. So all of these regulations are designed to get Israel to think. Think about how do we treat people, not take advantage of others, not exploit the needy, but to bless the poor, to deal fairly with others, to develop an ethic of compassion. There is a promise associated with this. 
ethic of concern for others, and that is God's blessing on the land. He says, you will remain there, and I will bless your produce, and, I, and you will live there securely. All right? And then continuing um, a little bit later in verse 23, this is a very interesting verse. It says, the land is not to be sold in perpetuity because the land belongs to me. And who's the me in this? It belongs to God. You are only foreigners and temporary residents with me. That's interesting. Now we see some of these themes coming together, right? Who owns the land ultimately? God. God owns the land. The Israelites are, in a sense, stewarding it, right? The Israelites are like foreigners, and they should think of themselves that way because their inheritance really belongs to God. Even though he's given it to them, right, to use, it really belongs to God. In fact, every possession we have, we're really stewarding it for a while, aren't we? Take a look at the clothes you're wearing, right? Who owns them? Hashem. Hashem owns them, right? He's, he's lent them to you for a little while, right? After all, you can't take your possessions with you, right? When you leave this earth, you are essentially temporary residents of this earth. Now, the ethic of trust and obedience should lead, according to this, to an ethic of compassion. We should think of ourselves as foreigners. We should think of ourselves as the other. As it is written in 1 Peter 2, verse 11, this is, what, this is what it says. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, think of yourself as the other, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. So the sense of otherness should cause us to follow Hashem and to have compassion on the marginalized. It's as if God is saying, you are like a stranger, so be kind to the other strangers. I'm sure all of us in our lives have people that we might consider strangers or just maybe strange, right? Or the other, right? We all have groups that, that we belong to and groups that we consider the other. And God is saying, think of yourselves like a stranger. Everything you have has been given to you by God. So be generous to those who are in need. Because in reality, it's you who are in need. And Hashem has provided for your needs. And to top it all off, if we treat others correctly, God will bless us. We will have enough and we will remain in the land that God has given to us. Now, as I said in the beginning, this Parsha relates to some major themes in Scripture, like the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I'm just going to quote um, some things uh, that Yeshua says on the Sermon on the Mount. This is a, one of the central sermons that Yeshua gives in his earthly ministry. He said, Blessed are the poor, in Matthew 5, 3. He said, You are the light of the world. In Matthew 5.14, he said, Whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.19, he said, Love your, who? Your, your neighbor. He said, Love your enemies. Love your enemies in Matthew 5.44. Yeshua gave instructions on how to give 
to the needy in Matthew 6, 2 verses 4. 2 through 4. He talked about storing up treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. He talked about not worrying about what you're going to eat. And, you know, this last one, as I was reading the Parsha, it reminded me of this. This is what it says in Leviticus. Um, You may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? And the answer is, I will send a blessing, such a blessing, in the sixth year, that the land will yield enough for three years, right? This is like when the, when the Israelites were in the, in the desert, and the manna, and the double portion came on the sixth day, and they were supposed to go out and get, you know, gather all of that, because it wasn't coming on Shabbat. God was trying to get them used to resting on Shabbat. And then some of them kind of crept out on Shabbat anyway, looking for the manna, and there wasn't anything, Right? Okay, so these are, sometimes it takes us a while to get, to get the lessons. So God repeats these lessons. And the lessons that God repeats in his scripture, you know, these tend to be the more important lessons. Messiah Yeshua himself confirms the message of Leviticus 25, the compassion, um, and brings it to its fullness. God cares about the poor, and we should too. Everything we have is from God, so we should not work to amass wealth, but we should seek to be a blessing on the earth. And we should obey God's commands, even if we have to sacrifice time to work, because there's blessing in following his commands. There's blessing in following Shabbat. Now, there was something I wondered, and I don't know if you were wondering this, as I was reading these laws concerning the year of the Yovel and the return of of all the land and the freeing of all the indentured servants every 49 years, and the Shabbat rest every seven years. And I was wondering, did Israel actually do this? Did they apply this law? And uh, my sense is, I don't know for sure, my sense is the answer is no. The Jubilee was not applied. For one thing, there's no evidence of it. There's no time in scripture where a prophet came and said, oh, we need to do this thing, and all the land goes back, and all the servants are are freed. And secondly, um, Israel was exiled from the land for her disobedience, for exploiting the poor and not fulfilling the commandments, the opposite of the ethic that's in these scriptures. Um, So possibly including this one. So my sense is that they didn't fulfill it. So does this mean that it has no relevance today? By no means, as Paul would say. When Yeshua started his ministry on the earth, he read the following from Isaiah. And this is uh, what he says. This is in Luke 4, verses 16 through 19, and he's quoting um, Isaiah 61. Now, when he went to Nazareth, or Nazareth, where he had been brought up on Shabbat, he went to the synagogue as usual. He stood up to read, and he was given the scroll of the prophet Yeshayahu. So Messiah Yeshua had a drash that day. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. And this is what he read. The spirit of Adonai is upon me. Therefore, he has anointed me to announce good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the imprisoned, renewed sight for the blind, to release those who have been crushed, and to proclaim a year of the favor of Adonai. 
Most scholars read the last line, the, the year of favor of Adonai. Does that remind you of anything? What does it remind you of? It reminds, it reminds you of, perhaps, the Yovel year, the Jubilee. And most scholars feel that this is a reference to that. Yeshua is bringing the essential meaning of the scriptures into fruition in his ministry. Freedom, he's proclaiming freedom for those who are in bondage. He's proclaiming healing, redemption, reconciliation, justice, mercy, and compassion. And we have the opportunity today to continue this ethic of compassion. We can give to organizations. Um, we've had two rabbis who have extraordinary ministries. One is uh, Hevra, another is the uh, Israel Benevolence Fund to, that are blessing those in need. And there are many like-minded organizations like this. We can, we can give to them. We can be generous with what we have, right? And our resources, not just our money, but our time, right? And our gifting, because we know that all of that originally comes from Hashem. And ultimately, we can't take it with us. So let us allow Hashem to develop in us an ethic of compassion. Amen? All right. Well, let's pray.